Next week will be the last week of a race to life, and this week is the last message. But being raised to life, and we talked about it a little bit last week, race to life is more than just uh, uh, getting water baptized. It is a way of life when you make a decision to be water baptized. You made a decision, first of all, with Christ. And you've got him ruling and reigning in your life. And there's certain things you don't do and certain things you do do. And certain things that you used to not do, but you do all the time. Because it become a part of your nature. Race to life means you begin to have life. Never before have you had life like this. You get, begin to ex- experience uh, the, the freeness and the goodness and, and wholesome thoughts and a way of thinking and a way of living that's different than it used to be. That's what's so awesome about Race to Life. And this morning I'm going to be talking to you about being raised to life. And when you're born again, it's amazing how you can begin to dream. I couldn't maybe couldn't dream 409 times. I said maybe three or four times and I would give up, but it's more than that. In every person's life that's in here, if you've given Jesus Christ the lordship of your life, something that you're able to do is take a risk. Take a risk. Many of you think of well, a risk, it sounds like a jeopardy or sounds like a, a potential problem. But risk is the only way that you're going to get from point A to point B. You may just trudge through life and just take anything that comes in a normal way of living. But there is something about our being a risk taker. And we as believers, I believe a child of God, children of God are the biggest risk takers of all. We have dreams and we have visions and we have thoughts that normally we never have. Something birthed within us, as we begin to believe, we begin to birth. We begin to dream. We begin to expect. Like If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to um, Mark chapter 10, but I'm going to go back before I get there. Chapter 10, I'll start in, in verse 17. How does, how does being a risk taker affect the life of a believer? How does a risk taker... Let me give you a little bit of a, a, a synopsis or a little bit of an explanation. There are some of you that now come to church with your families, whereas you used to never, ever come with your families. You used to never even darken the doors of a church. But when you, once you started coming, it wasn't any problem for you to begin to take your family. Now, you're taking your family, that's great. But then when you begin to believe for more for your family, and you expect them to encounter a little more with God and begin to have a more of a relationship, relationship with Jesus, you really begin, begin to become a risk taker. You know, often we often think about money, about uh, investing money. But I believe taking risk is a lot bigger than that. Could you imagine your life without any risk takers? Could you imagine? I can't. Could you imagine your life without any risk takers? Some of you, the only reason you are where you are today is because somebody before you began to take risk. The parents begin to take risk, and they begin to birth risk into the life of their kids. And their kids were able to expect and anticipate. Because before that, before their, the parents would have set the stage on it. Okay, I'll just say it. There's a lot of people in this room that are blessed because somebody in your family took risk. There was, there's a lot of people that have taken different jobs through the years, and you were apprehensive about taking it, but because you took it, it moved you on and moved you on and moved you on, and you provided more for your family. Now, you could have in the beginning just stopped and said, I'm not going to take any risk. I'm going to 
take this job that I have and what it brings. It's a decent amount of money, and I'm going to be happy with that all the days of my life. And there are some, some valid claims about people being finding contentment. But I believe that God has birthed within us a bigger vision. When we have a bigger vision, we begin to take risks and we take things. What's the greatest reason that people don't take risk? Fear, absolutely. Fear dominates people's life. But even when you're in the middle of a risk, is there ever any fear? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You think, man, if, if, if risk wasn't about a little bit of fear uh, p- popping up or a little bit of fear about uh, what if or what and, but you keep believing, you keep striving, you keep working for it. The disciples, in the same way, they were taking a huge risk. You know, all of us, when we watch uh, the Ten Commandments and we watch other Bible stories on TV, they saw show this young Jesus and all these older uh, men following him. You see guys with gray beards and, and the disciples. They weren't that age. They were around 18, I'm going to stretch it, 18 to 30. They were young guys. They were inexperienced. They were immature, but they were huge risk takers. Some of the personalities can be to play about what we know in their life, but they knew how to take risk. Because when Jesus approached them in this life that they were living, he said, follow me. And they dropped everything. Now, had they heard of Jesus? Yes, they'd heard of him. But they never dreamed he would ask them to follow him. And they became risk takers. In the same way the Lord has asked you this morning, if you don't know him as the Lord of your life and as your Savior, he's asking you to take a risk. Believe me, man, take a risk. There's a chance that there's going to be some great things happening in your future if you'll trust me, if you'll believe me. There's something about a risk taker. A lot of times we think that they're, they're dreamers. It's not dreams, man. When you're a risk taker, you're working toward a goal and you want to see something accomplished. I'm a risk taker for Christ. Okay, Jesus was depending on these guys to carry his message out because Jesus knew he was going to the cross. And it was imperative that these guys got the gist of what he explained. You can read the book of John, the last week of, of his life, Jesus' life, he really poured individual things into his disciples. He left the crowd and he focused on them because he was preparing for eternity. And it's amazing what took place because Jesus took a risk on them. Jesus takes a risk on me. And Jesus takes a risk on you. So we have chapter uh, 10. Maybe I'll get there in a minute. Oh, could you imagine if you were a disciple? And we're going to talk about someone in a minute who, uh, who was asked to follow, and he didn't. But think about the things that the disciples seen. The lame were walk, the lame walked, the blind could see, the dead were raised, money out of a fish's mouth. Who has ever caught a fish? Nobody. Money out of a fish's mouth. Mother-in-law was healed. Demon possessed. How about just peace of mind in marriages? How about peace of mind? And a lot of people had a lot of turmoil. We don't hear it's not recorded that we that we have examples, but I guarantee you. There were tons of people in the crowds when he was speaking. We had some people healed here a few weeks ago. Just randomly, God just moved upon their lives and upon their bodies. And the same way when Jesus was placed, do you think that there wasn't people just healed? What about that lady's issue of the blood who grabbed hold of his clothes, his coat when he went by? She grabbed a hold of it because she was wanting something. There was probably tons of others in the crowd that because of their faith, they took a chance, took a risk. And they received what they asked for. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, if you go there. 
As Jesus started to leave, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before Jesus. And, Je- and asked, the man asked, good teacher, what must I do to have life forever? Jesus answered, why do you call me good? Only God is good. You know the commandments that you must not murder anyone. You must not be guilty of adultery. You must not steal. You must not tell lies about your neighbor. You must not cheat. You honor your father and mother. The, the, the man said, teacher, I've obeyed all these since I was a boy. Man, he has made it. His life is complete, and a lot of us, when we get born again, when we go to church, we, we're just, I'm not committing adultery, I'm not, uh, I'm not committing murder, I'm not uh, talking about my neighbor, I'm not accusing people, man, I've got it made. But Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. Look to the next verse. Jesus, looking at the man, he loved him and said, there is one thing that you need to do. Listen to me. There are people here, there is one thing missing one thing in your life that's missing that's going to take you from being where you are to somewhere you never thought you'd be. One thing, and it's risk, it's risky, and it may cost you a little bit. It may be difficult for a while. It may be frustrating at times. Go and sell everything you have and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And after you do all of that, then come and follow me. Amazing. This God came looking for the things he needed to do to have eternal life. And, and Jesus gives him an answer to get rid of everything he has that holds him back and come and follow him. It sounds great. It's wonderful. And it would be great and wonderful this guy picked up his bags and, and he went and sold everything. He called an auction company. He put it up there, trammels some, put the sign up, said, it's all for sale. Anything that it sells for, take it and give it to uh, the, the mission or whatever. But it didn't end that way. He was sad to hear. He was sad to hear this, and he left sorrowful because he was rich. And Jesus looked at his followers and said, "How hard it is it will be for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God." Why? I've heard Brother Cooper say this many times. And instead of the, the instead of them having the riches, the riches have them. And this guy was controlled by what he had. The thing that's so cool about the disciples, every one of them were able to just, just go in faith. Go in faith. Expect the impossible. Believe the impossible. Uh, the rich young ruler, he was committed. He was real. He was faithful. He was young. The verse 22 was the verse of the day. He was very sad to hear this. And I'll think about us. What would we be sad if we were talking to the Lord and he said one thing and he confronted us about the issue, whatever it is. I'm not here to say, well, I know, I know it's this. I know we're not all rich. But it may be that round can in your pocket and it leaves a ring on your britches. It may be that. It could be a, a it, I'm sorry, I shouldn't yell that. Uh, he wasn't willing to take the risk. He was dependent on his finances. He was mistaken. He was mistaken on how to live life forever. He wasn't asking, listen, I just got this in my head. He wasn't really wanting to know, wanting to know how life would be forever. That's all he was worried about. He wasn't willing to do what it took to live differently now. And are you willing to really embark and embrace and take a risk on living different for Christ now? 
It was too big of a risk. And a lot of things could have been the, the culprit. Uh, his parents, maybe, maybe his parents' money, they gave him, they trusted him with a company. He couldn't dare sell it. Maybe he had too many friends pulling him to do different things. He was so busy with his business and all that was going on. Um, so many pe- people are dependent upon his position. He couldn't live them, and he couldn't just depart from his wealth. But I want you to stop here. Stay with me. There was a man by the name of Matthew that had the same exact circumstances. Matthew was very wealthy. He was very prominent. He was in good with the Romans. And Jesus said, Matthew, come follow me. And you know what he done? Took off. He ran. He couldn't wait. He didn't know what to expect. But he was willing to risk everything he had worked for and building his name up in order that God could use him in some way. It's amazing to me that somebody was so willing not to take the risk, and yet somebody was. Go to Matthew 25. What gets in the way of our risking? What might happen? We talked about earlier, fear is a big issue. What can go wrong? What could go wrong? Man, who has not been afraid? Who has not been afraid to take a chance? We're talking about, I talked about this briefly in uh, our devotion, our men's breakfast uh, yesterday. And just so you know, we have a men's breakfast here every month. Every month and yesterday was the day you missed out on. It was really good food. The guys prepared it well. And, but let me just say, my dad told me years ago when I was young, before I ventured off and got married and things, he said, Dwight, if you don't go in debt, you'll never have nothing. Because he knows that most of us are not born to all this money. He said, you have to go in debt. You have to. But after you go into debt, you start paying it back. You start making money. You do whatever it takes, and then you can have something in life. And my father done that. I remember my father buying pieces of property that people thought, what in the world? Why is he buying that old 50s uh, truck stop? It never, never work. But my dad was, had the ability to take risk and turn it around and make profit and have a good life. There's something about being a risk taker. Matthew 25, verse 15. Were we Matthew earlier? The kingdom of heaven is like a man who was going to another place to visit. Before he left, he called the servants and told them, take care of his things. This is where we're going to start. He gave one servant five bags of gold, another servant two bags of gold, and a third servant one bag of gold, to each one as much as he could handle. Then he left. The servant who got the five bags went quickly to invest the money and earn five bags more. In the same way, the servant who had the two bags invested them and earned two more. But the servant who got the one bag went out and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Amazing how many of us would be like the third one. Just afraid. Afraid to do anything with it. We would be responsible if we made a bad investment. You have to go to the, the king or the wealthy person and say, I made a bad investment. The man who, let's listen. The man who gave the talents or gave the bags of gold, he knew when he left there was a chance that the money would not be there when he came back. But he left it to them on their own experience. There was always a chance of something going wrong. 
Now he went to the, well, we'll read on. And after a long time, the master came home and asked the servants what they did with his money. And the servant who was given five bags of gold were given five, brought five, five more bags to the master and said, Master, you've had five bags and here they are, so here's your five more bags. Same thing happened with the two in verse 22. Then the servant who had given uh, two bags of gold came to the master and said, You gave me two bags of gold to care for, so I earned you two bags more. The master answered, You did well. You are a good and loyal servant. Because you were loyal with small things, I will care for you. You will care for much greater things. Come and share my joy. And the servant who had been given the bags of gold came to the master and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man. Harvest were you the things you did not plant, and you gather crops for you that you did not sow. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your money in the bank. Here's your bag of gold. And right there, I think, is one of the worst problems that many of us have with our own soul. We can invest money, we can invest time, we can invest, invest talents. But for our soul, we won't do any investing. We don't do any investing. What's it going to take for us to really grow in the things of the Lord? What will it take for us to, to really come into a, a right standing with God? For him to be able to speak to our heart and us to really hear him speak. What would it take? A little investment, a little time of prayer, a little time of a separation. And coming to church is great. But if this is all you get every week, you're very, very uh, anemic in your faith. You can't, you can't survive on, a, on an hour and a half on Sunday morning. You can't. Three men were given. A third was not willing to risk anything. He was lazy. Or did he? Maybe he wasn't as lazy as he believed the lie. And some of you are sitting there saying, I mean, you don't know what you're saying. I've tried living for God. I've, I've tried making a decision to follow Christ. But you believe in a lie. You see, I told this Wednesday night, but I almost believed a lie when I was in junior high. I almost did. I'm going to share one more scripture with you. It's in Genesis 22. This is the biggest risk in all of Scripture. I'm going to say it's as big as Christ going to Calvary, but this is the biggest risk in Scripture. In Genesis 22. Chapter 22, verse 2. And God said, take your only son Isaac, the son you love, and go to the land Moriah. Kill him there and offer him as a whole burnt offering on the, one of the mountains that I will tell you. I want to go back and I want to read that again because this is such against God's nature. It just doesn't make sense, but he believed God. Let me tell you something. There was a lot of, a lot of time spent between Abraham and God. He knew God's voice and God knew his. God spoke to him often, so he knew he was not mistaken as for a, uh, uh, some fictitious thing in his mind. Abraham got up early in the morning. Now listen, not only did he receive it, but he, the next morning he got up early and saddled his donkey. And he took Isaac and two servants with him. Isaac was his son. 
And he cut the wood for the sacrifice and went to the place that God told him to go. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. My son and I will go over there and worship, and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood of the sacrifice and gave it to his son to carry. But he himself took the knife and the fire. So he and his son went together. And Isaac said to his father, father, uh, Abraham, father. He answered, yes, my son. Isaac said, we had the fire and the wood, but there was no lamp for the burnt sacrifice. And Abraham said, God will give us the lamb for the sacrifice, my son. So Abraham and his son went on together and came to the place God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there. He laid the wood on, on, the, on the altar, and he tied Isaac up his son and laid him on the wood of the altar. Then Abraham took the knife in his hand was about to kill him. I could not even imagine. Now what I envision is closest thing to me, Leighton. We, only have, we have six grandkids, and only one of them is a male. We're blessed to have five females. But the one male, he's the only kid. He makes it very hard for him. We were all at the house yesterday, and he gets, he gets picked on a little more, and he causes a few more disruptions. But, but I could not even imagine Leighton. God spoke to him. He, he carried his son up there. Say he was 10, 12 years old, 13 years old. And he's carrying a pack of wood on his back, and and we're just going, just going. An angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, "Abraham, Abraham," and Abraham answered, "Yes." And the angel said, "Don't kill your son or hurt him in any way. Now I see that you trust me, and that you have not kept your son." only son from me. Then Abraham looked up and he saw a male sheep caught in it by its horns in the bush. And Abraham went and took the sheep and he killed it and offered it a whole burnt offering to God and his son was saved. So Abraham named that place the Lord provides or Jehovah Jireh. If there's any truth to taking risk, you will never, never Step out in faith and God leave you hanging. Never. Never. Abraham questioned, didn't question God. He already knew that God was faithful. In verse 5, I'm just touching on a couple of things. He said, We will come back. He believed things. In Romans it says that he spoke and believed those things which were not and spoke those things into existence, those which were not as though they were. In the same way here, we see that he began to speak things and he believed things. He took risk. His confidence was not in man. It was not in himself. It was not in anybody else. But his confidence was in God. Verse 8, God would provide the mental anguish that Abram had and he went through. I don't know about every step, but every t- step it just had to be miserable going up the hill, up the mountain. But did you notice that Isaac also walked up that hill with the wood on his back to be laid upon the wood, bound, and he's going to be sacrificed. But God made a way. We didn't go through 
we don't go through a, a risk-taking session without any what-ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if something goes wrong? If you had total assurance and total everything was laid out and mapped out for you, it wouldn't be a risk. It'd be a plan. There's no age restrictions. There is no age restrictions in taking risk. Simply in faith. Not in knowledge. Not in knowledge. You're standing in faith. I want you to dim the lights if you would. Do you allow the Lord to lay things on your heart? Lay things on your heart, and, and, and yeah, it is risky, and maybe it's a little scary. But you, do you know His voice enough that if He's told you to pack up and go to another country, could you do it? You see, we don't always understand why He would want us to go somewhere. Folks, he sees a lot bigger picture than what you and I see. The problem with me and the problem with you is many times we, we get our eyes so fixed, we're looking not down a, a little tube, and we look down a, this tunnel vision. And even though we live it, we're not seeing all the little things that God's working in our good. There's one thing about it. When you are a person who takes risk, God will always, always, Take a God-given risk and promote your good. I'm going to read one more scripture, and I'm going to close with this. 2 Corinthians. And verse 9. Chapter 9, verse 6. Sorry. Remember this. The person who plants a little will have a small harvest, but the person who plants a, a lot will have a big harvest. A lot of people I've known in my life, they were so much more talented than me, so much more polished in their education, had all the opportunities in the world laying before them, and I thought, man, great things are going to happen to that person. But they never learned to walk in faith and take risk. If you bow your heads with me. This is the most important part of the service. Most important. Most important part of the service. Taking risk. Taking risk. Are you willing to take a risk this morning? Talk about the goodness of God to Abraham and the goodness of God to the apostles. And how the rich young ruler just missed a great opportunity for God to do something great in his life. But you're here this morning. And you want to take a chance. You want to take the risk. And you want to give your heart and your life to Christ. He's calling. He's beckoning. 
He's touching your heart, but it's totally 100% up to you to make a decision. But if you are here, period, I'm going to ask some of the prayer team if they come up and stand. you need to make a decision to follow Christ, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come forward.